1: It is the Doomsday Podcast, and um, I'm in studio, Far North Dallas,
2: Free Donation Productions. Ed has just arrived back to the warmth, uh, but he's just right in the shadows of Lambeau, where he spent since 8 this morning. So he's in the aftermath of having talked to uh, Mike McCarthy and uh, Dak and everybody involved. But, Ed, I just wanted to start out with um, it was good to see. I saw you. In fact, I think I was in church Looking at some of your social media, which I probably shouldn't have been doing, but it looked like McCarthy, <laughs> as you were trying to uh, record McCarthy or, or watch him, you know, making his way back and the cool video tribute they made to him, and I'll let you address that. But that was a kind of a neat video. I think you were just trying to kind of capture him arriving and he made a beeline to shake your hand. And so you kind of captured footage of him coming at you for the handshake. I think you finally put your camera down as a. Uh, as you visited with him, but what was the pregame scene like? And obviously he's not in a good mood now, but I would, I, it seemed like Mike was uh, uh, pretty excited and humbled or whatever the words might be uh, to be back on a place that meant so much to him.
3: Yeah, obviously, you know, you know, Mike coming back to uh, Lambeau field for the first time since the last time he coached the game here was in 2018. He got fired before he went home. Uh, the last time he was in the stadium had been a few days after that when he uh, had an emotional farewell that he was granted to say goodbye to his players who gave him a standing ovation before his remarks and 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 after he delivered them. Uh, Mike was good enough this week. You know, he had planned to just talk about his return to Green Bay, limiting those questions to his press conference Monday. And then later Monday, he did a conference called Green Bay Media, and he intended for that to be the end of it. Um, with the exception of the Fox production group that he's obligated to uh, speak with before the game. Um, But on Wednesday, he agreed to meet with me. I prevailed upon him to acknowledge that as much as he didn't want the game to be about him and not about his players and his team, that he was going to be the focal point. And I could not do my job well on Sunday morning from Lambeau Field using material that he had given to everybody else in the free world on Monday, six days before. So he granted me 12 minutes with him at at the Star after he did his press conference on Wednesday. Um, He's great. I'd love to tell some of the stories. I thought it'd be easy to get into those if they had won the game, as I thought would happen. Uh, But in the NFL, unexpected outcomes are sort of the norm. Um, But we were there at 8 o'clock this morning, and I had told my crew that he comes six hours before the game uh, with the equipment managers and some of the trainers. So keep an eye out for him. And sure enough, I had my back turned to the field and I was about to do another live shot, another of many, uh, for a digital show or something that we have. (laughs) Um, and, and as I got ready to do this live, my, my photographer's producer said, Hey, there, I think McCarthy's on the field. And I turned around and sure enough, I saw him in the, uh, camel haired coat overcoat, And so I just put everything down and turned, walked away from the show, knowing I could get back to him in 15 minutes or so. And I went out to talk to McCarthy. I really didn't know if he talked to me. Uh, Wasn't prearranged. He was out there with Bucky Buchanan, the equipment uh, manager of the team. He was looking at the turf. He was looking up at the wind, trying to figure out what the conditions were going to be like. It was a fairly nice day. He was in the low 20s at the time. Um, And I did not. So I went out to take his picture and maybe get a little video for our show, and for my social media, and lo and behold, he just starts walking toward me as I'm videoing him. And uh, you know, so I said, "Hey, I was just trying to shoot some video." He says, "I just was coming over to shake your hand." So <laughs> I stopped recording at at a certain point, uh, shook his hand. Uh, I asked him about Ezekiel Elliott's status. He essentially told me he didn't expect Elliott to play in the game; that he needed another week, and they had three games in 12 days, and so it seemed like. Tony Pollard was going to be the starting running back again. So that was nice. He told me he had not been. I said, have you uh, acclimated yourself to the visitor's locker room? And he said, I have not been in the visitor's locker room here. I was telling the guys, he said, I haven't been in here since 2000 when I came here as an assistant coach with the New Orleans Saints. So it was was a great opportunity to talk to Mike under those circumstances. Um, As I said, he was very generous with his time earlier in the week as well. I'm deeply appreciative. It's unfortunate for him. It didn't the result wasn't better. In fact, as we get ready to play the music and we'll talk about, about this game in detail on the other side, it was in fact a historic faceplant for the Cowboys in Mike McCarthy's return to Lambeau Field. And I'll explain that statement on the other side of whatever you're about to do next.
2: All right, Friedel, keep that faceplant maybe our our like You know, our headline. That kind of sounds like a good one. I'm glad uh, Ed's gone with that. Uh, And with that, I will say, Frito, please play the music. All right, here's Doomsday Podcast. Ed, live from Green Bay, where he has uh, been there on the frozen tundra. Uh, and uh, spent some chilly minutes late in the game. He was down on the field, and it's always kind of fun. I've spent a lot of moments at the end of those games, especially when there's a big ending and some excitement. It's kind of fun to be down there. And, of course, Ed was all layered up and, and prepared for it, having grown up and spent so much time in Colorado. Uh, Ed is not um, any stranger to cold weather like a lot of us Texans. I, would, I struggled mightily, and that's why Ed, whatever that game was, the, uh, the 2007 NFC title game where we both were three below zero yeah, Giants, i was not spackers. trying i was not trying to get on the field i was i was <laughs> in the safety of the locker rooms and press box the entire time and the only time i was out in the elements was like about a 50 yard walk and fortunately i was with peter king and his parkings better than most of ours so that was uh that was good okay ed um what a you 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 called it a a face plant, and I, I'm ready. You can start putting this thing in perspective, but that's pretty bad. I mean, you know, first of all, to 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 have a 28-14 lead, and you're you're watching that thing. It's into the third quarter. They've got the ball first the fourth quarter, and it. So many games this season. You know, it's that's when that's just when the Cowboys put a team away, and in a sense, they let one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. And a team that was, has struggled mightily, and boy, they had that one wide receiver dropping passes all season. Dropped a couple of passes early in the game. He ends up being a huge hero. But Christian um, Watson, yeah, Christian Watson from I believe Tennessee Tech. We discovered um, the Tennessee. First, North, he, North, Dakota State. North Dakota State. Sorry, okay.
3: He yeah. he is the first receiver to score three touchdowns receiving in a game against the Cowboys since Randy Moss on Thanksgiving Day in 1998 wow. a game we all remember. But, wow. yeah, uh, so to, to my point about this being a historic face plant, um, you know, Mike McCarthy's return to Lambeau Field results in an unprecedented loss for Dallas. And, and you alluded to it. The Cowboys failed to protect a 14-point lead in the fourth quarter for the first time in franchise history. They had been, get this, 195-0 and in those situations, including regular season and playoff games. And I thought, you know, usually when a team's down two touchdowns, and especially if you have Aaron Rodgers, you know, you're going to have a pass rush, you're going to close them out. And the Cowboys, Dan Quinn has the best pass rush in football. But the Packers head coach, Matt LaFleur, And the aforementioned Aaron Rodgers really remained committed to the running game. You know, they viewed the Cowboys' pass rush, because I talked to LaFleur last night. They viewed the Cowboys' pass rush as an element that could dominate the game if they allowed it to. And and they were reminded of that when DeMarcus Lawrence stripped Zach Rodgers early in the game. So despite trailing 28 to 14, listen to this the Packers ran by design on 62% of their plays, the highest rate ever in an Aaron Rodgers start. Rodgers played five quarters through only 20 passes. Now three went for touchdowns. So I think the Packers felt like we can run the football on this defense. We can take their passing, their pass rush out of play. And we will, by doing so, create some opportunities for big plays in the passing game. And that's exactly what they did. And in the the Cowboys locker room, Micah Parsons, you know, he clearly recognized what allowing – more than 200 yards rushing in consecutive games means for Dallas. He said, This is a fire that this defense has to put out. If we don't do that, no opponent is going to let us play the way we want to play. They're not going to let us rush the passer if we can't stop the run. And Malik Hooker ominously pointed out as I was about to leave the locker room and asked him about that future Cowboys opponent starting Sunday against the Vikings of Minnesota, Dalvin Cook. Saquon Barkley, Derek Henry, Jonathan Taylor, all on the list of upcoming opponents for this Cowboys defense that better learn to stop the run.
2: Yeah, might want to mix in, you know, stopping um, deep passing plays as well. But the uh, the running was, it was a dispiriting performance for the Cowboys and uh, did not get the job done. Before we go any further, Ed, I did want to mention our presenting sponsor, Marable Homes. Family-owned custom home builder building timeless classic homes in the Dallas area. Uh, great team equipped to handle luxury residential new construction, and I'm seeing so much of it. And they are—they've got such an incredible group that they use, and, and like all the people, Ed, all the you know, like with the cabinets and everything that, that you need, like electricians, like. They're all there, ready to go, and and, and they're all part of the Marable Holmes family. So it's not like, okay, well, we got like 17 different groups we got to be. No, Marable— Because of these beautiful custom homes, has everybody ready to go on your behalf, and they want their clients to walk into the new homes and have that, quote, it feels good to be home feeling. Ed, it's Marable Homes. It's M-A-R-A-B-L-E, homes.com. On Instagram, Ed, where you and I may be forced to go with all this Twitter madness, at (laughs) Marable Homes. And then uh, on Twitter, also at Marable Homes. All right? Ed, have you been spending any more time on Instagram? (laughs) Has anybody been impersonating you?
3: Not that I know of. I haven't gotten any angry calls from any of my bosses asking me what the hell it was I just tweeted. Um, And why was it so erroneous and egregious? So I assume nobody has yet impersonated me. But thanks for bringing it up as a possibility that somebody out there now (laughs) might endeavor to do exactly that. Because somebody did steal my handle while I was laid off. When When I got back on Twitter, I had to come up with a new account name. So... I, I did lose my identity once before, but, uh, Hey, you know, you know, uh, in talking about the game, I mentioned that just incredible stat of 195 and 0. the Cowboys were in their history when they had a two touchdown lead in the fourth quarter. And the, the, the Packers by, by, uh, by the way were two and 29 with Aaron, even with Aaron Rodgers when trailing by 14 points in the fourth quarter, both wins were in 2018 against the bears and the jets. So. Those circumstances, Aaron Rodgers almost always loses, and the Packers have every previous time won the game. And so that is really gotta bother the Cowboys under these circumstances in particular, because you know, they there really was a sense within the team that they wanted to win this game for Mike McCarthy. They wanted to give him the game ball in Green Bay, and there was no game ball to give. And Mike McCarthy was clearly agitated after the game. He he didn't say that this loss concerns him in the standpoint of now the Cowboys are six and three, and they could be three games in a tiebreaker behind the Eagles if the Eagle, undefeated Eagles beat Washington tomorrow night on Monday Night Football. The Cowboys are going to be uh, three plus games down with uh, not a lot not a lot of time to run them down, even though they play them on Christmas Eve in Dallas. Uh, McCarthy didn't seem to put a lot into that, but it certainly seems like all of a sudden the likelihood is the Cowboys are going to make the playoffs are going to do it, you know, not as a division champion. And that means they would likely have to play on the road in the opening round, which increases the possibility of another early exit, which Mike McCarthy can ill afford.
2: Yeah, and um, boy, the Giants continue to uh, win. They win to advance to 7-2, and two, and the um, the Cowboys uh, now with the uh, three losses, and we'll uh, see as they get ready for uh, the Vikings. doesn't get any easier, and the Vikings do have kind of a blueprint that's been put before them, and as, as Micah said, they got to put out this fire. Mike McCarthy said after the game, uh, Ed, you were there, he put yeah. a heavy emphasis on... And I think this was, in in regards to the officiating, very, very, very. And he kind of, on that third very, he got pretty aggressive with it, put kind of the Pittsburgh emphasis on it. Very, very, very frustrated. Now, I think that goes with, on that third and four call, before they went for it on fourth down in overtime, thought there was an obvious interference there. And I bet they were upset, too. They had one long, nice run that was negated, uh by a holding penalty that was maybe somewhat questionable i don't know i mean i think you could call holding a lot of times it was probably a hold um and and then connor of course, McGovern. Uh, on connor mcgovern and then they had the one play where their rookie wide receiver apparently looked over and you know made sure with the uh, official hey i'm you know checked sarah to make-
3: thomas to jaylen Correct. Jalen Tolbert, you're talking about called for lining up in the neutral zone. McCarthy said, you know, it's almost it's almost part of your taking your stance that you check with that official. And he said the official against Sarah Thomas actually motioned for Tolbert to move closer to the line of scrimmage than he was uh, and then threw a flag on him. So I, I don't know if that's true. I didn't I didn't witness that. But that's what McCarthy said. I don't think I don't think he was as agitated about the officiating as he was just the penalties. and. The fact that they led the NFL in penalties last year, he's made it a point of emphasis his entire offseason, and they go into this game and they have nine penalties for, you know, 183 yards, and a lot of them are are very, you know, costly, in very costly situations, As what penalties are. Um, But uh, I think the biggest, uh, you know, Dak, I thought Dak Prescott did not play an exceptional game by any any means. He had the two early interceptions. that uh, the Packers converted into touchdowns both times. Uh, He was not very good on third and fourth downs. In fact, I'll I'll read you a stat that uh, will put that into some kind of perspective, that he he went four for 12 for 49 yards. That's four and a half yards per attempt with two interceptions on third and fourth down in this game against the Packers. He's now completed get this an NFL low 43.3% of his passes on third and fourth down with one touchdown and three interceptions. No quarterback has posted a completion set percentage that low on those downs since Tim Tebow
2: <laughs> in, two,
3: in 2011. He was 42.5%, so Dak's getting into a very dangerous area here and it's hard to sustain drives when you're when you're not Effective in those situations.
2: Have you tweeted this out, Ed? That one you just no, said, No, I, have the not. I, yeah. I have saved it for the
3: podcast. I yeah, I like that.
2: I like. No, I was going to give you a retweet if that was out there. But uh, yeah, let's uh, let's te- let's use that as a big tease when we're getting ready to uh, to get the podcast out there. Uh, that's that is a good one. A Tim Tebow boy, never great to be mentioned, even though. Uh, Ed, you covered Tebow, and I think liked uh, yeah. Tim, but but uh, obviously oh, accuracy I'm... was not his, you know, his big strength. I, Ed, I would say that um, that I, I agree. It was a a very uneven performance by Dak Prescott. Not great that on the in those key moments. That he wasn't accurate and also not great. I mean, I, I think a lot of times, and even on the broadcast, Ed, they were pretty quick to sort of blame the receivers for not running the proper routes. And it looked like Dak and others were getting on to Dalton Schultz and CD mm-hmm. after that. But listen, as as uh, I think Stretch is going to talk about too, if you're late and in the middle of the field, you're going to get picked off sometimes. And um, I, I, you know, to, to throw that. Both those interceptions were bad. But but the the, the the one when they were down there about to go in, and then even the one where, um, and both of them were by 20, number 20 for them, that I'm honest, he's not even a starter. He's like a special teams type player who's been pressed into duty. He makes big, two big plays. But Ed, we, we talk about the 28 14, but the reason it was even just 28 14 is because, I mean, the Cowboys. Um, kind of kept the Packers in it throughout the game, and those interceptions played a big role in that.
3: Yeah, and you're, you're talking about the safety, Rudy Ford, who had just you know one career interception entering the day. In fact, he'd only played 20 defensive snaps in the five previous games combined, and he becomes the first player with two interceptions in the same game against Dak Prescott since Earl Thomas of the Seahawks uh, in week three of 2018. Um, this is only the second time Prescott had thrown interceptions on back-to-back possessions in a game. He did it in 2017 against the Chargers. And, you know, hey, I, I tweeted this stat when he threw the second pick. The Cowboys are 3-10 and 10 when Dak Prescott throws multiple interceptions in a game. And and in this particular game, the Packers were able to turn around and score, you know, both times with touchdowns. And, and yet in the points that they lost uh, on the throw to Schultz, they were guaranteed three. Um, and... Is it somewhat to do with you know the fact that this is only Dak's third game this season and only his first road game in Week Ten? He's playing his first road game because of that fractured thumb week one that required surgery and kept him out for five weeks. You know, he, so he hasn't had the same time on task even with guys he knows well like C.D. Lamb and and Dalton Schultz. I'm not trying to give him an excuse, but he did say he said Schultz got knocked off his route, um, and then he said the C.D. Lamb one was the same miscommunication they had had. Uh, I think he said in the Chicago game. Um, that nearly led to a, a turnover too. So uh, they, they've got to they've got to be more effective throwing the ball than they have been. Does that mean you know they got to go out and go get Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, at, at almost any expense? That remains to be seen. But they, they just don't get a lot of explosive plays, um, and the passing game has not been particularly good. And with the exception of the Bears game, you know they haven't scored a lot of points. They they scored twenty eight today, forty nine last week um, against a, a bad Bears team. But generally speaking, this team does not score uh, like they did last year when they led the NFL, and part of that probably is they don't have three dominant receivers.
2: You know, let, I, I agree with that, and and maybe they will address that, although one of the receivers actually had a, a great day today with 11 catches for 150 yards, C.D. Lamb. Um, let's look at, Ed, and let's, let's talk a, a bit, and then we'll hear from um, Stretch, but The fourth down, the decision to go for it on fourth down, which honestly I didn't have that big of a problem for, but the Frito uh, uh, and I were talking about it before you came on. It's I see teams that are doing more of this, and from an analytic standpoint, the willingness to be ready to go for it on fourth down, you have to kind of know what you're going to do, and that leads teams to even like if it's third and eight, and they know they're probably going to go for it on fourth down, they might they could still run the football on third and four. Of course, they wanted an interference call. Call didn't get made, so uh, McCarthy's upset. Okay, they go for it on fourth and four. Don't have a problem with where they were on the field because that was going to be a fifty-three yard uh, field goal attempt. I think they're they could have thirty-five. Yeah, I they're think they could. 35. I think they could have made it. I Think they could have made that field goal, but again, that does not end the game. Okay, and then and then of course Aaron Rodgers would have a chance to come down and either tie it or win the game. So at that point, they're thinking about all of that. That's respect for Aaron Rodgers. It's maybe thinking about the fact that their defense has not been able to get the job done, especially in the fourth quarter. And so I, it's kind of like, let's go down here and end this right now. The problem I have, what kind of play was that? I mean, I know it got blown up and, he, and, and, and it ended up, you know, the pass rush came in. But if you watched all the routes, there's one leak-out route, you know, he tried to throw it at the last minute to, uh, I think it was Pollard out there. and the other routes... Right. The other routes, they're flying downfield. I mean, I'm looking. I'm like, who is the outlet? Like, where's the where's the old Witten, you know, Y option or whatever it is? Where are all these routes or rub routes, whatever you want to call it, drags? There was that. It was almost kind of like Kellen was kind of almost surprised. Oh, oh, okay, we're going to go for it here. I just didn't. I didn't love the play call there. Wow. He, he shouldn't have been surprised
3: because McCarthy said in his press conference after the game that he had already decided um, after the second down play that they were going to go for it on fourth down if necessary. Um, the second down play being, what, second and 19. Uh, Dak threw short left to Dalton Schultz for 16, and they took a timeout. So it's third and three. Shotgun again, incomplete. Middle of the field to C.D. Lamb. And then the play you're talking about on fourth and three from the Green Bay 35, showing their respect for you know Aaron Rodgers and maybe not showing enough Uh, Respect for their own defense that's won them so many games this year, um, but maybe not believing they could stop the run and the Packers were going to go down and score a touchdown. I think they have this – Mike knows the capabilities of Aaron Rodgers better than anybody in football, right? Mm -hmm. Um, He certainly should. He coached him for every game he's played until this year um, or or until the last three years. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I didn't get a chance to really see where everybody was on the field. Um, because I was down on the field myself, but, uh, um, I think it was pretty clear. He, I'm sure he conveyed it to Kellen Moore that they were going to go for it. So nobody should have been surprised on fourth and three when they issued the field goal and, and went for the touchdown or to try to prolong the drive. And I'm not, I don't think it was a wrong decision by any means either. You can argue they didn't have a good enough play called. Mm-hmm. Uh, they certainly didn't execute well enough the play. They did call because like you said, Prescott got fairly quick pressure and had almost no chance to get rid of the football. And yeah. you would think you'd have some quick breaking, quick opening route, um, for him to go with on when you only need three yards, but that just wasn't the case at all. And they're in the shotgun in the entire series.
1: Yeah. You know, and, once
3: they cross midfield.
2: And, you know, back to your, we're talking about Dak, perhaps, you know, saying, well, he's still trying to work his way back. Rogers has not been good this season. He's playing through a thumb injury. Um, you know, is it as severe as what Dak had? Doesn't appear to be, but he's having. You know, he's got these different tape jobs that he has. He got it banged up in the game. He kept playing through it. And um, and by the way, Ed, he's not. You know, we we talk about it, the Cowboys needing Odell Beckham Jr. You don't think you don't think Aaron Rodgers is like get me a wide receiver too? And yet this guy that kind of infamously started the season. By just flat out dropping what would have been like a seventy-yard touchdown, um, and had other drops, and had two drops early in this game, just right to him. And Rodgers, you know, a lot of times far I'm not, I'm trying to think who was like Brady was kind of like this. You know, if you started dropping passes on Tom Brady, I mean, it's like screw you. I'm not coming back to you. I, you've lost my trust. Right. Rodgers doesn't really have any choice. Who else he going to throw it to? Sammy Watkins. I mean, it's not like Lazar, uh, you know, they're they're not great receivers. Lazar made it a yeah. Big play. Yeah. yeah, made a big play at the end of the game. But I tell you what, he stayed with that kid, and he ends up with three touchdowns. And I thought that was interesting because he was looking like he was going to be the goat of the game in a bad yeah. way. And he ends up with three touchdowns and having a huge day.
3: He, he had two drops the first time Rodgers came to him in the game. Um, and, and Rogers, like you said, he, he stayed with them. He's, you know, a big, uh, fast receiver. They, they don't have Devonte Adams. They made that controversial decision. They don't have Randall Cobb who's out injured. Um, Christian Watson missed the game last week because he didn't have a concussion, but he was in the concussion protocol and unable to get out of it in time. So they didn't have him last week. Um, but yeah, right. Ro- Rogers has kind of been forced into this situation where these are the guys you have to win with. He's, you know, he's a player that um, the head coach Matt LaFleur described as a guy who can run, you know, good inside routes and get vertical on you. And we saw them do that. Um, Rodgers now has seven touchdown passes to rookies this season, three to, to Watson today. And in, in five previous seasons, he had three total touchdown passes to rookies. So what he and Watson managed today has certainly not been uh, what Rodgers has been known for throughout his career in terms of trusting and developing. A rapport with rookie receivers who help him go out and win a game like this. The Cowboys obviously down some corners. And they lost Anthony Brown early in this game to a concussion. You know they've lost uh, uh, what's his name, Jordan uh, Lewis. The ki- now the kid who's always around the ball. The, another little guy started the season. I can't think of his name right now for some reason. No, this is embarrassing.
2: I, no, you talking about the Cowboys? Number.
3: Yeah, uh, Jordan
2: Lewis. That's what I just said. Jordan, um, yeah,
3: yeah, J- Jordan, Jordan Lewis. They lost. So you know they. They had Kelvin Joseph out there playing corner for really the first time. Uh, they had Deron Bland out there, and neither one of these guys was really able to to stop Watson.
2: Yeah, yeah, you're right. And um, and on one of those big plays, Bland um, was chasing, Joseph was chasing on one of them, and you said you were watching. Uh, Bucky Buchanan, who I love, he and Mike McCord and all those guys are, are, have been great friends over the years. But uh, there was some slippage out there on that turf that uh, that seemed to be occurring, and and the Cowboys just having trouble uh, in a lot of areas. And one of those, they lost Anthony Brown to a concussion, but he had already had some struggles in that uh, in that game. All right, Ed, um, I fear that we could be getting some poor grades. Um, not not the two of us. But the Cowboys quarterback, and then I'm afraid the defense is going to get uh, poor marks. It is now time for stretch plays with Glenn Stretch-Smith, former Cowboys scout and coach, getting ready to um, have his live TV show tonight on WFAA with Joe Trahan. But, Stretch, let's start with the offense. I mean, you know, overall, it just – it was – it was a homecoming for Mike McCarthy. Cowboys, we believe, to have the better team. And they go in there, I mean, 28-14. I was just looking back at some of the plays. It's just unbelievable that they had that kind of lead and were in that kind of position. And then they, they let the, they let Green Bay sneak out of there with a win. Now, the, the quarterback um, always is going to get maybe a, a lot of the blame, uh, and a lot of the credit, maybe too much either way, but two interceptions. This team has a hard time overcoming. Over the years, when he throws uh, two or more interceptions, their record is like three and eleven. All right, he they don't overcome it. Um, what did you? What was your overall thought on how Dak Prescott played in this game?
4: I mean, I felt like this was kind of. I really felt like this was his first came back after that injury. I mean, that's how I felt. I mean, I felt like a quarterback that had come off of an off-week, who it felt like was rusty. I mean, again, accuracy with the football. And I know I'm going to grade him hard because of my point of reference. And sometimes that's not fair with, you know, being around and, and, and coaching Troy and seeing all that. But when you cannot make accurate swing throws, accurate slant throws, accurate option throws. And when I'm talking about accurate, I'm talking about putting the guy putting the ball in his face mask every time. I don't give shit if it's 38, 36, 35. I don't give a crap. If you're throwing a slant or you're throwing a swing and you can't, you're a pro quarterback. And you can't stick the ball in the guy's face mask, that's a problem for me. So before I get to talking about the graph, F for the quarterback. You can't throw the ball late in the middle of the field. I don't, give a, I don't give a crap about what Olsen said about, oh, well, the tight end should have ran under Sam and over Mike, and that would have put CD in this position. Oh, crap. Don't throw the ball in the middle of the field late. When your team has every opportunity to put a decent football team away, you, you, you. To me, it's one of those situations where it just felt like his inability to drive the nose of the football. Does he make good throws? They call the, they call it a shake seven. We used to call it a kind of a sail route. Yes, he can throw that twenty-yard ball. But to me, when you're a $40 million quarterback, you should stick seven, eight, ten-yard throws exactly where it should be every time. Don't tell me about the damn weather, cold, hot. I don't give a rip. I mean, the bottom line is this quarterback makes a ton of money, and to put on that kind of performance in that situation, to me, F. F. I don't need
2: to go any further. F, that's what he got. An F for Dak Prescott, and uh, given an, uh, you know, and again they, 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 this team, they say they just want to run the ball and have it be a run based and lean on their defense, and yet Stretchy ends up with forty six pass attempts, or forty seven pass attempts. I would say that is a recipe. For I mean, if you're going to draw up how to lose to a bad, struggling football team, they did it today. You go out and throw it 47 times, and 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 you say you're this, but then you go behave like that. And we'll also have some uh, uh, time to discuss. I mean, you know, some even that fourth down call, that fourth and four call. Stretch in the um, in the overtime. I don't really have a huge problem with them going for it there, but but let's maybe have some routes where there's some alternatives where you can find somebody. I mean, they they they, they, even the setup to that. You know, if you think you may be going for it on fourth down, you see this at the college level a lot now. You know, there's a way you kind of set that up. You might run the ball. On third and four, instead they threw it. Then decide to go for it, and then the the head coach ends up dunking his, uh, spiking his his headset. That to me was a a weird looking play call, honestly from a play caller. It did not look like he was ready for that call.
4: Well, to me, I mean, he spiked the headset. That that to me that that's a that's a that's a little layover red-ass from the non flag that he felt like he should have got. On third down with a P.I. Was it a P.I.? Probably so. Are they going to call it at that point of the game? No. Be smart enough to know what you're talking about. I agree with you. I mean, set it up. I had no problem with him going for it on fourth down. They didn't have any real answers defensively as to how to stop Aaron Rodgers. I felt like they needed to put that ball in the end zone there. They put the game away. They were not able to do it, and because of that, they – you know, let a team hang around and then you can beat the NFL. Uh, you know, you look at the offensive line. I thought they played pretty well. I, I you know, the holding call—it's a holding call. When a back runs a draw and he runs up behind the guard and the hands are outside the framework, they're going to call holding. I mean, that's just—that's just how it is. But I thought overall, you got a, you got a decent day out of the offensive line. I thought you got a pretty decent day out of the tight ends. I thought you saw some good things from Hender shot. I mean, you can tell why. They kept that young man. He's got a little crap in his neck, and you got to appreciate that. Uh, you know, receivers wise, that they're very inconsistent. They're 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 really thin. I mean, Jalen Tolbert, the lineup offsides to me—that is inexcusable. Um, you know, it, it's to me. Gallops looks about eighty percent. Um, you know, Noah Brown's still a little ding. CD is, you know, is, is, is a good receiver, but i tell you something, Matt. I mean, they need to be, they need to be, I'm going to get on them a little bit for trading to Mari Cooper. I, I don't, I still don't like the trade. Uh, and, and to think about, you know, trading for Brandon Cooks at the time and his salary was still $18 million. I mean, it's complimentary to what you had to Amari Cooper. Now they didn't pull the deal and, and they didn't want to, waste that money but i'll say this i mean if odell beckham is healthy and that's a big if because guess what the rams need a guy too i mean they're they're in dire need of somebody and they know him as good as anybody but i would certainly you know i would certainly be looking to to see what's going on from a health perspective with obj
2: yeah (laughs) yeah i think uh I think you got to take a peek, and, and the thought is he would be ready for the last month of the season, and, and the playoffs would really be where that is. This is not immediate help, so you've got to be able to kind of hang on. Uh, Pollard had another good day. Um, it just uh, really, man, just the, the way what they weren't able to do with a 28-14 lead is really disappointing. Let's flip over um stretch and and grade out this defense i think to the uh to to the you know the immediate thing that catches your eye is they continue to be gashed in the run game in fact in this game they gave up 207 yards and then obviously with some of the injuries to the secondary um and, and some of this happened, by the way, before Anthony Brown was, was uh, out with a concussion. So we can't, we can't blame it completely on that injury. But there, there were some uh, real defensive deficiencies. And I, I don't think this was a – you know, we, we spent so much time talking about the great Micah Parsons, and he is tremendous. But I think we do have to mention it when he doesn't play as well. And I don't think this is one of his better games.
4: Well, and they, quite frankly, they they, they they took away from the Cowboys what was their strength, which is their pass rush. I mean, I you know they ran the football, they committed to running the football. Now, I mean, we can if, if you wanted, you know, to me, I, I ding the hooker a little bit. He had an opportunity to make some plays. He's been better on the perimeter tackling. Uh, I, you know, I, I got a little frustrated. with Wilson that hit out of bounds. so you know, they're, they're aggressive guys. But they've got to tackle better on the perimeter. I mean, they've got to do a better job of shutting down, uh, you know, those, those outside zone runs. They, uh, they had a well designed play in Green Bay and running that little flip play outside. Dallas started shutting that down, made the adjustments. I think the adjustments will come with the run game. Do I like that they ran it for 200 yards? No. But I do think that what they showed was we're committed to running it and you're not going to get us away from being committed to running it and Dallas had in position to do that up to touchdowns and then just didn't play complimentary football to put the game away so uh, you know a little one of those longer runs was kind of on a bounce right there where Jones bounced it outside I mean that, that that can happen to you I think that that they'll clean up that part of it. I, I still like that you got pass rush out of your front guys today. I thought they played well enough, and I thought the linebackers played well enough. But when you look at this secondary, uh, from a tackling perspective, they've got to get better. The thing that bothered me most in the football game was, if you're going to play man coverage against a team like Green Bay, who's going to run switch routes, that means you're going to run switch responsibilities, that means they're going to rub you. That means they're going to pick you some. This is the first time that I've been openly critical of Dan Quinn and his scheme, and that is you got to get up, you got to get your hands on guys. And the fact that they didn't schematically do that, and they didn't have that opportunity to get up, play that press coverage. I get it, Brown went down, but you're just as good out there, or more physical with Joseph. Get your hands on guys, Bland. You got to be able to come up and press and get your hands on guys. So I'm gonna this is the first time I'm gonna be openly critical of, of, of Dan Quinn, and I'm gonna you know what I'm gonna give him a, I'm gonna give him a, a, a D and give him an opportunity to maybe get some extra credit work in. But I did not like the scheme and what they were doing to stop Green Bay's game. That was the biggest thing to me. You got to get up. And these are these are inexperienced receivers. You should have been able to get your hands on these receivers. And it's something I'll show tonight on Channel Eight. You've got to come up and play those switch routes, getting your hands on guys. Kicking game, I thought I, I thought they did fine in the kicking game. I mean, everything pointed to Dallas being able to handle their business, except the quarterback did not function well. And 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 really, again, we can sit here and point to one or two or three plays in the football game, but. I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say. Well, uh, you know, I throw my hands up in the air just because the team rushed for 200 yards against them.
2: Yeah. Well, it yeah. was. Um, well, it was. It was interesting. It's you interesting. know, some of those things you just said it's because it, yeah. when when it looked like the Packers were going to have to, and even the uh, the broadcaster Broadcast. said, "Hey, they're <laughs> going to have to start hey, throwing a football. football," they actually football. Stuck, with they the uh, stuck with the run, run. Uh, and I think that was smart oh, yeah, of them and then they were somehow able to kind of uh work their way back in there and uh boy that was i mean when they got it to 28 21 um it I, that team looked like for all the world like they were ready to get beat and it just didn't happen all right stretch well listen we'll be watching tonight on uh, wfaa channel eight and uh tough loss for old uh old mccarthy as uh as he goes up uh, as he goes back up there to green bay um uh just a just a really really bad loss for the cowboys and um i think they can recover stretch but isn't it strange to think of the cowboys as the third place team in the nfc east now
4: well and it is it's 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 a hard that that's the whole thing is now you're you're three full games behind the eagles and I mean, you know, to think, I'm going to go back to saying this, think about a quarterback who doesn't like the cold weather. I got news for you, brother. You're going to have to go play in the cold weather. That's how it's going to be. and You put yourself in that position.
2: Yeah, I think so. And they might want to think back, think about how recently they did some stuff with the RPO game, and the fact that uh, even tonight, you know, when they really needed him to, Dak burrowed in there and got some tough yards on the run. And um, you know, I just sometimes they just kind of forget about that. You know, they had some of that cute stuff early in the game. You know what I'm talking about, where they had like. A, C D line lineup in the Wildcat and had Dak floating one way and they went back the other way. I mean there's some fun stuff in the arsenal, but when the game was on the line and they needed to drive it down there, they couldn't do it. They didn't get it done, and uh they end up taking the loss in Green Bay in overtime thirty-one twenty eight. Stretch, we appreciate it, sir. Bye, right, buddy. Have a good evening. It is stretch plays with Glenn Stretch Smith and um always Always happy to talk to him, and a reminder about um, Marable Homes. My goodness, um, one of the great uh, one of the great home builders, custom homes in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and uh, whether it be Lake Highlands, Preston Hollow, you're starting to see them over in the Park Cities. They just do an incredible job, and um, it is um, Blake Marable is the owner of that. And uh, Blake is really one of the top young entrepreneurs and home builders in the area. And again, we uh, we appreciate so much Marable Homes being a part of the Doomsday Podcast. In fact, our presenting sponsor. All right, it is uh, good. Always oh, good to hear from Stretch. Very fired up, and generally he doesn't. Um, he's not that tough on the. Uh, on the quarterback, but he was in that case. I did want to mention also Lakeside Roofing, another one of our sponsors, serving the DFW Metroplex the highest quality roofing products paired with the highest quality workmanship. Lakeside Roofing Company. It's lakesideroofco.com. And on Twitter, you can find them at at LakesideRoofTX. At LakesideRoofTX. All right? Um... Ed this is um uh, uh let's let's look a little bit at the um other side. I mean we hit on it some, but I want to talk at a little bit more in depth, you know, some of the the issues in the secondary stretch was just talking about it. Micah Parsons has said, well, if they don't put this fire out, teams are going to keep doing this and thinks everybody should be accountable to each other. Ed that was uh that was Micah Calling his teammates out after the game, basically suggesting that people need to do their jobs and stay in their gaps, and um, that there are some major issues with this defense and the pack. I mean, think about uh, Ed. I mean, the irony of Mike McCarthy going back, and you've made this point uh, really well over the last few weeks and the last couple of years, where you know. Obviously, when he had Aaron Rodgers, the passing game was always the most important thing to him. This was not some kind of running team, and they were never ranked very high in the, you know, as far as the statistics go for run. They ran for 207 yards, and now, Ed, that's the best thing about the Packers. They have this two-headed um, running attack and uh under under Matt LaFleur and uh I thought I found that very interesting based on what what that team was under Mike McCarthy all those years
3: Well, well first I would say that I don't necessarily know that Micah Parsons was separating himself from the problem like I think he knows he has a role in all of that too and I can tell you that it seemed to me early in the game the Packers were making a determined effort to run at Micah Parsons and that's You know, that's not an unusual strategy. The best thing to do when you're when you have an elite pass rusher. And let let me tell you, Matt LaFleur told me last night what a what a freak he thinks this guy is. He thinks Micah Parsons is one of the greatest ever Uh, total freak show is what he called him. Uh, And so he you're going to run it at a pass rusher. That's what you do. And they did it effectively. You can't be done effectively. That's the thing. Like. If the, the Cowboys, you earn your pass rushes on third down by playing the run on first and second down, and that's where they're failing. And I just think it was remarkable and a real show of discipline in this game that even down two touchdowns with Aaron Rodgers, the Packers would not turn this into a throwathon and let Dan uh, Dan Quinn turn loose Micah Parsons mm-hmm. and Demarcus mm-hmm. Lawrence and um, and and Fowler and, and all the rest of those guys. Uh, He refused to let them control the game, and they deserve a lot of credit for that. When I talked to Lafleur last night, and keep in mind, Mike McCarthy himself has said, if I was playing against Dan Quinn's defense, if I was playing against this Cowboys defense, and I was calling the plays, I would run the football at them. And that's what's happening. Everybody is running the football at them. The Bears ran for 250 because they have a running quarterback who's elite. And we already talked about some of these upcoming opponents who have incredibly talented running backs and physical offensive lines. And you're going to have to earn your pass rushes by what you do on first and second down. They're not doing that. I asked Floor last night, I said, hey, you've got A.J. Dillon. You know, you've got uh, Aaron Jones, who's a terrific back as a a receiver and as a runner. He's had a lot of success against the Cowboys coming to the game, five touchdowns in two games. Do you think you have the personnel, you know, to run the football at this team? And one of the interesting things he said was, you know, the hard thing is when you have Aaron Rodgers is you want to make sure you give that guy enough chances to win the game with his talent, you know, And but sometimes you have to do what's best for the game plan. And I think Rodgers bought into that. They were so desperate to win this game, having lost five straight, This would have been the first six game losing streak in Aaron Rodgers' career. And he has a lot of autonomy at the line of scrimmage to change runs into passes and passes into runs. And to his credit, he did what the right thing was for the Packers to win the game. And he, for the most part, when the opportunity was there to run, he went with it, he honored the call from the sideline and ran the football. And when he got a chance to throw, it was only 20 times, but he had a pretty fantastic day what i'm going to look up his numbers right now because i've got them i think it's it's pretty remarkable yeah he threw for 224 yards and three touchdowns and dak prescott threw 46 passes for 265 yards so he threw for 40 more yards and he had 26 more attempts yeah prescott threw 46 passes to get 265 yards and three touchdowns Rodgers threw 20 times for 224 yards to get three touchdown passes. So, Rodgers was the far more efficient player in the game, and the Cowboys could not stop the perimeter run game.
2: No, they couldn't. And uh, to, to keep going on these stats, um, yeah, Aaron Rodgers finishes with a uh, a rating of 146.7, QBR of 82.3. And uh, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Did not make the back-breaking mistakes. Like and, and interestingly, Ed, the 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 one angry sort of outburst that Rogers had was with thirty seconds left when I think they called a pass and he wanted to get the first down because they still had a timeout um, up there. This is right before overtime. Thirty seconds left, and it was third and one, and they tried to throw it. And and of course that didn't uh, it didn't work out and he had some choice <coughs> words for Lafleur. Does Lafleur, uh, Ed, when you're kind of having one of those one-on-one sessions with him, whether that be over the phone or in person, does um, Lafleur seem like the kind of cool customer who can? Because he's a young guy. <coughs> I mean, that's Aaron's older than Lafleur. Like, I mean, that that's got to be a difficult thing to try to manage a quarterback. That is that I mean, my gosh, he kind of toward the end of the McCarthy thing was taking down a much older man. Um is <laughs> does uh do you feel like LaFleur kind of has a good feel for rolling with the punches there with, with Rogers?
3: Well, they've you know they've won 13 games three years in a row. Uh that Matt LaFleur's been the, the Packers head coach. So I, I think that he has some Rogers has some level of respect for for him and Rodgers ultimately chose to remain with the Packers and knowing LaFleur was going to be his coach for this fourth season. So I think I think Rodgers and he have a good relationship but Rodgers like most quarterbacks who are hall of fame players and he's a four-time MVP and a Super Bowl winner, those guys are going to have so opinions and they're going to be willing to give them and they're they're going to have a certain amount of control over what they do and they should um, I think I think Rogers has earned that, but I do think that he has a reputation for being somewhat difficult from a personality standpoint, um, and that can be a challenge. I think for for coaches and teammates and so forth. But he's undeniably a great player, mm. and you know he proved that again today. I think today, you know, I think when you go to a game like this, it's always like, well, he's going to control the game at the line of scrimmage. I'm going to call run play. Is he going to run a run play? I don't know uh sometimes he probably doesn't run a run play when you want him to stay with the call we had a, there was a quarterback in dallas who was kind of known for for changing the play to pass plays at a on a whim uh tony romo he didn't win like rogers did so rogers to give him a little more latitude than you than you give somebody
2: else all right cowboys lose this one 31 28 and um It is a uh, it's a this is one, Ed, that right now and things can change in a hurry in this league. But right now they seem far off the pace and and it does not seem like they're going to catch the Eagles who continue to do their thing. They'll be playing uh, tomorrow night and we'll see if they continue down this road. Um, I, th- I think they probably have a great chance of catching the Giants, but uh, we we shall see. To your point uh, that you said earlier, it didn't seem like McCarthy was all that worried about, oh my gosh, what would this do to us in the division race? It was just losing this game, and I think the players probably do have a sense that they let him down. And the other thing that we haven't really hit on that much is it's it's a little bit We used to do this thing when I was at ESPN with you. Uh, you We'd look at all these records. Andy Reid, unbelievable off the bye. And I think McCarthy had been. 20 and 3. Yeah, I think McCarthy had been pretty good coming off the bye as well. But I think it's a little bit embarrassing to a coach um, when you have that whole bye. And then, of course, on top of that, you have a 28 14 lead and all that's attached to him going back in his homecoming and you find a way to lose that game. I mean, this is a historical a loss. Historic
3: way. A yeah. historic loss. Yeah. Um, I I would just say that the whole bye thing um, is probably overrated because there's really like people are like, well, why didn't they spend the bye working on their run defense? Well, you really are limited based on the NFL rules now as far as what you can do and how often you could whether you can practice at all in any significant way, you know, during the bye week. You know, Andy Reid, I asked him last week because I covered their game and they were coming off the bye, and I said, so What you're twenty and three coming off the bye? Why is I? Why have you been successful? What's your approach? He says, "I've always gotten my guys out of the building for the whole week, and now the NFL does that for you. Like the NFL basically has stolen the Andy Reid program, so the coaches don't get a chance really to make dramatic improvements, and that's why they spend all their time analyzing and you know self scouting and trying to figure out where they can make improvements, but they're not doing it with the players on the field. That won't happen until that didn't happen until they came back to get Mm. ready for this game."
2: All right, um, and you know you were known for being close and having a great relationship with Brett Favre. You may be distancing from that right now, but uh, <laughs> I just wondered if um, Rodgers, I'm sure, in his younger days, probably picked up on that a little bit. What's a, do you ever run into Aaron? Did you see him before the game? Does does Aaron give you a little, a little, you know, hello or a wave or or what, what's your relationship <laughs> like with Rodgers? Well,
3: I think because um, you know because of the situation with him um, being appointed, you know, drafted to replace Favre and then sat there for three years while Favre, you know, started, retired, unretired. The fact that I was reporting mostly on Favre at a time that was difficult for Rodgers and pivotal in his career as to when he was going to get to take over, um, and when Favre was trying to force his way back, I was in Mississippi reporting on Favre. I think understandably Rogers viewed me perhaps as somebody who was a far proponent and an adversary therefore, um, of his. And, and that wasn't really true, but I could understand why mm. perception from his point of view might be that way. I mean, when I was down reporting on Favre in Mississippi, you know, we had Wendy Nix and Rachel Nichols were staying in green Bay reporting the Packers point of view or the Rogers point of view. Yeah. Um, so, so my responsibility wasn't to, cover both sides fairly. I was just covering one one of the two principles. Um I tried to do that fairly. I never, what could you have said bad about Aaron Rodgers? He hadn't played. And when he did play, he was incredible. So I know I've never I've never distanced him yeah. because of negative reporting on him uh, to Favre's advantage. I just he just may have seen it like yeah. oh he's for Favre. He's always with Favre. He's always pontificating about what Favre says and and what Favre wants is what I want. Um, so I I understand that, but in recent years, you know, um, like when they came to Dallas for the Super Bowl, he when I asked him a question, he referred to me my name. Um, he referred to me by name a game I did last year. You know, tonight I actually went out and waited for him to finish his interview with Tom Rivaldi, and I I said, hey Aaron, I don't know at this point in my career how many more games I'm gonna. At times I'm gonna get to kayak, come to Lambeau Field. I love coming to Green Bay and covering games, and I just want you to know that it's a privilege. To watch you play, and I've always felt that way, and we shook hands and, and that was it
2: oh nice, Ed that's nice, yeah, I hope Brett doesn't doesn't hear you this <laughs> <laughs> I was very secure about it. I I (laughs) (laughs) I could see you and Aaron trying some of that uh, waka at some point. Golly, that stuff. That stuff is very very interesting to me. All right, Ed. uh, Tremendous work. Been a long day. Since 8 this morning, Ed has been at Lambeau. And he wraps up his evening, as he always does, with the Doomsday Podcast. And then we get this out there, and everybody goes crazy over it. And it's still recognized as the best Cowboys podcast in the marketplace. Thanks to uh, Lakeside Roofing. Thanks to Marable Homes. Thanks to Frito Nation Productions. Man, uh, uh, Frito does a great job uh, editing and doing all this and uh, producing our work, Ed. Have a uh, have a safe flight back. We'll be happy to get you back, and then you can go to your old stomping grounds where you used to hang out out by that ship <laughs> to Minneapolis, Minnesota. Are you? I've already
3: been assigned the game, and I don't have to worry about the dome collapsing. I don't think like happened to me be once before during the far far years in Minnesota.
2: <laughs> That's right. That's right. One of those years they played in that open air where where the, the Gophers played, and that was a. Uh, I think they had to recruit people to go out there and, and um, you know scoop, shovel all that snow and everything. Correct. Yeah. Correct. That was, uh, in fact, um, I think Frito may have attended that game. Frito, did you fly or take a train? Just trying to remember that story.
3: It's actually pretty good. I lied through my teeth to them, to my wife at the time, because uh-huh. I just wanted to go to an outdoor game in the snow. Yeah. And I told her that ESPN was sending me. To work the game. Oh. And um, which they weren't. And I borrowed um, Brian Rodgers' snowshoes, which were a size too small for me, Ed. And by the second quarter of the game, the outside of his snowshoes, the shell, had completely cracked open. And I just had two big styrofoam boots on. <laughs> and it
2: was freezing.
0: That's what
3: you get for lying to your wife.
2: Yeah, I got divorced. Yeah, that's I'm, that's not the only thing <laughs> you get that, that too. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. It's okay. It was amicable. But
3: I will be in Minnesota next week, and uh, it's the same time frame, uh, late afternoon kickoff, and a big challenge for the Cowboys' defense with two great receivers, Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson, and an elite runner and Dalvin Cook, as we mentioned. So, big challenge for Dan Quinn and his defense.
2: All right. Do they still have that guy come out on the motorcycle? Before the game, I think so. They still yes. do that. Okay, used to be one of the loudest venues out there. Uh, okay, Ed Werder, tremendous stuff for Ed and Mark Frito Friedman. I am Matt Mosley. Good night from Far North Dallas.